0: This past week, I read a story in The New York Times that initially somewhat shocked me. But as I read more and more, I realized that it it resonated with my own experience and uh, my own observations. The headline of the story reads, Adults Should Get Routine Anxiety Screening, the panel, said, uh, panel says. A panel that was formed by the DHSH um, came up with this recommendation that all adults age 65 and under should get routine anxiety screening. It starts out like this. A panel of medical experts Tuesday recommended for the first time that doctors screen all adult patients younger than 65 for anxiety. Guidance that highlights the extraordinary stress levels that have plagued the United States since the start of the pandemic. That last little bit makes it sound like they came up with this primarily uh, as a response to the, the stress from the pandemic, but a little later, the reporter notes that the panel has been preparing these guidelines since before COVID even hit. Certainly the pandemic has provoked an increase in anxiety. The article cites a study from August 2020 through February 2021 that found the percentage of adults with recent symptoms of an anxiety or a depressive disorder increased from 36.4% to 41.5%. So essentially a 5% increase over about six months, early in the pandemic. And notice those overall numbers, 41.5% of adults had symptoms of an anxiety or a depressive disorder. I mean, even at the starting point was well over a third of all adults that were used in this study, experienced symptoms, Of anxiety or depressive disorder. The only reason I wouldn't be included in those numbers is because I've long been on medication so I don't have those problems anymore. Again the spread of COVID added to the anxiety of many of us but as I said the panel had started planning this recommendation before COVID even hit. I think that the world that we live in these days sets us up for anxiety by design. For instance, Facebook was one of the first social media platforms to add that little dot that tells you uh, that you have messages that are waiting for you. And and then they even started adding the number of messages that you have waiting for you. Well, originally, I read a story from the, the person who actually developed this. Originally, the color was just a different shade of blue from Facebook's normal shade of blue. However, people weren't clicking on it enough. They weren't checking on it often enough, so they changed the color to red. And it proved so effectively disturbing that now those little red dots are everywhere. I even have one on my Bible app on my computer. What could be more important than reading the scriptures, that I need to have a little red dot that I should check out before I start reading John? It's crazy. Now, the anxiety that our technology promotes isn't the overwhelming emotional anxiety that we get from say the worry of covid or climate change but the problem is it's ubiquitous it is constant it follows us everywhere we have a smartphone or a computer and think about how often we have a smartphone or a computer nearby us or with us into this disquieting world of red dots and chimes and dings and buzzes and alerts. Jesus calls us to a different way of life. Verse 27 from that gospel passage. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. My whole body and spirit exhales stress just reading that line from Jesus. So how do we live this day to day? How do we experience this peace that Jesus talks about? In our scripture this morning, John goes a long way toward answering those questions and encouraging our hope. John reminds us that in a world full of anxiety, Jesus Christ offers us deep inner peace. And our role, for the most part, is simply to let it be. If you remember even just one word from this scripture and this sermon, let it be the word abide, abide. Unfortunately, that's not the way it's translated in our Pew Bibles. Our Pew Bibles are the NIV translations, the new international version. Uh, they chose to translate this word as remain. Um, that's why John it comes out in the NIV, as um, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Father and the Son. The Greek verb is meno, and remain is an adequate, somewhat fairly literal translation of that word. But I much prefer the word abide. For me, abide speaks to to a whole way of being, including our spirit and our soul. Remain, to me, sounds more sort of geographical, but abide seems more like spiritual direction. And it certainly doesn't hurt that that word was so well personified by Jeff Bridges as the dude in the Big Lebowski. So listen again now to John with the abiding translation. See that what you have heard from the beginning abides in you. If it does, you also will abide in the son and in the father. And this is what he promised, even eternal life. That is what life eternal life is genuine life with God, abiding in God and God abiding in us. And again towards the end, uh, as for you, the anointing you receive from God from Jesus abides in you. And you don't need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, as that anointing is real, just as it has taught you, abide in him. What John is talking about here is deeply spiritual. Even existential. Again, John draws attention to that reality. That this is all within us. As he says, the anointing you received is in you. John is reminding his readers and us of our deep inner communion with God. When we abide in what we have learned from the beginning we abide in the father in the son in the holy spirit in that triune life of god this is what god had promised god's people through the prophet ezekiel that we heard in our hebrew first testament reading. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. This promised new spirit within us was then again promised by Jesus himself. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled because the Spirit is within us. The Holy Spirit is the anointing that John writes of in in that part about the anointing you received remains, dwells, abides in you. John proclaims to us that we can experience the deep inner peace that Jesus promises for our hearts because it abides within us. It's there. And what I want to emphasize this morning is that subjective inner experience that Jesus Christ offers us. There is an objective knowledge that is vital for our life with Jesus Christ. John writes, see that what you have heard from the beginning abides in you. Most commentators... On this, believe that John is referring to the gospel stories of all that Jesus said and did and all that he collected himself in the gospel according to John. Jesus himself alluded to the importance of this objective knowledge in that part that we heard from the gospel passage. This is what the counselor, the Holy Spirit will do. Part of it is teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you." So English theologian John, John Stott points out, what you have heard from the beginning, as John puts it, is the gospel, the apostolic teaching, the original message which had been preached. Christian theology is anchored, not only in the historical events themselves, culminating in the saving career of Jesus, but to the authoritative apostolic witness to and the interpretation of those events as written in our scriptures. The Christian can never weigh anchor and launch out into the deep of speculative thought. We do have an objective base. In fact, (laughs) Stott has kind of a funny comment about how this all relates to uh, John's comment in verse 27 that You do not need anyone to teach you. Uh, Stott points out it would not be difficult to exaggerate the statement, you do not need anyone to teach you, in an incautious and unbalanced fashion. However, we must see this verse in the context of a letter in which John is, in fact, teaching those to whom he says you have no need for human teachers. The word is uh, uh, the scriptures are an objective safeguard. And that's why the foundation of Christian life has always been the study and contemplation of the Holy scriptures, especially the Gospels. But if we only know the objective words about Jesus Christ we will miss out on the peace he offers to our hearts with his real presence. The wonderful news here is that Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit are the ones who do all of the hard work. Our greatest work is to let it be done within us. And this is where the NIV translation may be a little more helpful. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. Remains in you because it's already there, is what John is saying. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and the Father because you are already there. And again at the end, uh, as for you, the anointing you receive from him Remains in you. It's already there. You do not, don't need anyone to teach you about that. And I love this. As that anointing is real. Just as it has taught you. Remain in him. Because you are already there. The Holy Spirit is with us. Within us. Always. Everywhere we are. Our greatest work is to cultivate awareness of the presence and then abide in it as it abides in us. One of the greatest practitioners of this abiding was a man named Nicholas Herman. He was an army vet who had been horribly injured in battle Uh, He had permanent damage to both of his legs. He could walk, but he lived in constant pain for the rest of his life, and he lived a long life. After the army, he bounced around in kind of low level service work, but he finally found his long-term work as a dishwasher and a cook in a monastery. He never became an actual monk but he was a brother in the order somehow. When he died, he would most likely have been completely forgotten within a generation, except that several monks, several of the monks in the monastery had learned so much from this man about life with God that one of the monks gathered everything he could find that Nicholas Herman had ever written. He put it all together and he published it in a book years after Nicholas Herman had died. That book has become one of the most significant guides to spiritual life in the history of the Christian church. Its title is Practicing the Presence of God, and it's known as being written by Brother Lawrence, which was his monastery name as he was known in the monastery practicing the presence of god written by brother lawrence here's just a little bit of his wisdom for us this is from this amazing new translation it's really fantastic it's called practice of the presence uh, translated by carmen acevedo butcher and um, you'll notice in it that she uses the pronoun they for god which i've become more comfortable with myself um, since God is three in one um, and beyond our, our normal understanding of gender but uh, so here's, here's just some of brother Lawrence's wisdom <laughs> a soul depends on grace in proportion to its desire for higher perfection or completeness God's help in every moment Is even more necessary than then for without that grace the soul can do nothing obsession with worldly wealth desire for power over those in our community uh, a preoccupation with others opinions can together so fiercely and so relentlessly confront us that without God's present help this humble and necessary dependence All these things would drag us away with them in spite of our resistance. The most sacred, most ordinary, and most necessary practice in the spiritual life is the presence of God. When we practice the presence, we enjoy and become familiar with God's divine company. Speaking humbly and looking to them lovingly for support all the time, at every moment, without methods or limits, especially during times of temptation, pain, loneliness, exhaustion, even disbelief. During our work and other activities, even during our reading and writing, no matter how spiritual, and I emphasize even during our external devotions and vocal prayers, We must stop for a brief moment, as often as we can, to love God deep in our heart, to savor them, even though this is brief and in secret. Since you are aware that God is present before you during your actions, that they are in the deep center of your soul, why not stop your activities and even your vocal prayers, at least from time to time, to love God? Praise them. Ask for their help. Offer them your heart and thank them. And then I love, he he, he does go on and says, uh, I don't mean to give the impression, though, that you should stop working or abandon your duties. That would be impossible. Wisdom, the mother of all spiritual strengths, will be your God. I'm saying, however, that it is a common oversight among spiritually minded people, not to turn from outside engagements from time to time to worship God within ourselves and enjoy in peace some small moments of the divine presence. For me, through the years, this practice has been tremendously helpful. I don't have to worry about where I am, what I'm doing. It doesn't have to be in the church. It's it's everywhere at any time. For others, though, it might be reading scripture itself that can bring awareness of God's presence and peace. For some, it might be quiet meditation or singing hymns or going for a walk. The point is, however we do it, whenever we do it, Cultivate the awareness of the presence of God's spirit within us and then abide in God. I'll close with thoughts from uh, the Scottish pastor, Robert Candlish. For this end, that it might abide in you, let that which you have heard from the beginning be not only known, but felt not only known as a matter of fact or doctrine, but felt as a matter of experience. Let it so lay hold of you that it shall be the nature of God becoming, in a sense, part and parcel of your nature, the great heart of God entering in a measure into union with your heart. Ah, let all of Christ you have ever known, seen, heard, handled, tasted, abide in you. Let all you have learned of Christ as being with the Father from everlasting in his bosom, as coming forth from the Father to reveal and reconcile, let it all abide in you, always, everywhere. Jesus Christ offers us deep inner peace. May we let it be so. Amen.